So we are live here Monday morning, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. The Early Bird Podcast Sessions. Stefan Meyer with you. AddedSouls.com, the website. Impure Hands is what we're looking at for our Sermon Sunday. Impure Hands. The text in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. We might look a bit further, I don't know, but for now, verses 1 through 13. Please be sure to like, follow, rumble, subscribe, share a comment, and share the link far and wide. Please consider supporting this work. It keeps it going. You can do so with a few options over in the show notes. AddedSouls.Locals.com is our community. You can sign up there for free and choose to support monthly. Any amount is a good amount. There is no amount too low. There is no amount too high. It all goes towards the gospel work. Okay, so let me put the text on the screen here, and we'll get going, shall we? Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 1 and following. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him, being Jesus, of course, when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of his disciples, whose disciples? Jesus' disciples. Who seen them? Well, the Pharisees and some of the scribes. And what were Jesus' disciples doing? Well, they were eating their bread with what the Pharisees and some of the scribes considered impure hands, that is, unwashed. Hmm, what's going on here? What's going on here? Verse 3 in parentheses, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, all the Jews, do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing... What is it now? The traditions of the elders. Hmm. And when they come from the marketplace in verse 4, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. Copper pots. Oh, the great ocean of traditions mankind can create. Who creates them? Well, more often than not, those who know the law and who manipulate the law to their selfish ambitions and preeminence to exalt themselves, of course, among their peers, to control. It is true today still when we look around. These many great traditions of our forefathers, our elders, our religious leaders, how they can create law from thin air bind law and find us guilty. Of course, this law at many times 
does not apply to them, the lawmaker. But for all of us here subjects, right? The Pharisees, well, they knew the law. They were scholarly. They are to be trusted. They are our religious leaders. And some of the scribes, those who transcribe, those who write the scriptures, well, they certainly must know the law. And so if they say we must observe the washing of the hands and various other items as to keep the traditions of our elders, then we must, because if we don't, we stand damned, and they'll be quick to let us know about it, won't they? Everywheres in the gospel accounts, we see these religious leaders trying to find fault in Jesus and his disciples, fault finders. Right? Trying to use the law to their advantage. Cleverly devised tales. Oh, they can create persuasive and eloquent agendas that uh, we will fall prey to if we find ourselves vulnerable, idle, vain, incapable of discerning right from wrong, these Pharisees and some of the scribes, well, they gathered around Jesus. You think they're gathering around Jesus to learn, to be humble, to have a reasonable conversation with Jesus, and to both arrive at the truth? Well, no, not at all. They're too prideful for that, these hypocrites. Impure hands. That is unwashed. You think they're having a problem with sanitary purposes? <laughs> For sanitary purposes? You think it has to do with hygiene somehow? No. No, not at all. You see, there's a great chasm in the centuries between the Jew and the Gentile. God's always wanted the Gentile to be part of the fold, to be a believer in the living God. But the heathen chose to withdraw himself and become idle in their idolatry. But the Jew, well, the Jew, who is not void of excuse, of course, Romans chapter 2, verse 1 and following, he binds law out of thin air. Some loosen law. The Sadducees would have loosened the law. The Pharisees would have added to the law. The elders, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin. The greater sin. Why? Well, they should have known better. They should have known better. They were born and raised in the covenant. They read the scriptures. They knew the scriptures. They meditated on the scriptures. They could recite, memorize the scriptures, teach and preach the scriptures. They've got a log sticking out of their forehead, and they can't uh, discern the fulfillment of the times that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Nope, so we have to find fault in him. They, with their log, can't see that this man, Jesus, 
is confirming his word through powerful, miraculous activities. I mean, the man can control the weather. He can cast out demons. He can make whole the lame, cure the sick. He can raise the dead. He has insight within the inner thoughts of man, hidden from the rest of humanity. Yet Christ could see the inner thoughts of man. Yet these Pharisees, these religious leaders, scribes, chief priests, elders, they want to find fault in him. How so? Well, we must observe the traditions of the elders, and he's not doing so. His disciples are not doing so. It's a problem. Still today in the church, these same pharisaical, these same pharisaical spirits try to make copper pots and pitchers and cups of more value than God has ever given them and will create law out of thin air and bind it on you, finding you guilty, of course punishable, and they become judges, judging you to hell. And this is what they're doing with Jesus. So the Pharisees think themselves to have a justified, credible offense, argument towards Jesus and his disciples. They are self-righteous, of course can't teach them anything. They know everything. They're educated. They're scholarly. And so they ask Jesus in verse 5, why do your, see ownership, you're going to be the leader found guilty of your disciples because disciples follow the leader. You're the leader, so why do your ownership disciples not, they're not doing something they should be doing, walk according to the traditions, live their lifestyle, their life, live, walk, according. Getting in, why aren't they getting in line here? To what exactly? Well, to the tradition of the elders. But instead, you know what they're doing? They're eating their bread with impure hands. How do the Pharisees and scribes know that they're eating with impure hands. Where's the microscope? Where's the evidence? He says, she says? Yeah, we say so. Oh, do you have any evidence? We don't need any, any evidence. We're, we're, we're educated. We're smart. You're not. You just need to accept what we say. And we say he's guilty. And you're guilty. Why don't your disciples observe the traditions of our elders. Why do they have impure hands eating bread? Well, impure hands, how do you know that? Just because you say so? Just because you say that these faithful disciples to Jesus Christ are guilty of some sort of damnable sin, a law created from thin air now bound to find guilty, the innocent. Well, Jesus says, oh, I'm sorry. 
in verse 6 there. Please forgive me. You're obviously Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders who have been doing things for a long time. You must be right. Who am I to try to change that in any way? You must be right. I must be at fault here, and my disciples must have impure hands. Let's just learn to get along. Let's not make a mountain out of a molehill, shall we? Nothing here to cause offense, just a misunderstanding. We can work it out. We're brethren. We're all part of the same church, aren't we? We're all trying to be pleasing to God. There need not be any division here. Is that what you're going to read over there in verse 6 from Jesus? Yeah, that's what he says, right? No, no, that's not at all what he's going to say. If we've read the Bible, we know that's not what Jesus is going to say. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? Why doesn't Jesus answer the question? You mean to tell me Jesus knows the motive of the question? Two individuals, same community, asking the same question. Are there any police officers here? Two individuals, same community, asking the same question. Are there any police officers here? One of them is asking the question because he or she needs public assistance. An emergency has taken place. The other, however, is asking the question because he or she is seeking to practice criminal activity and wants to make sure no law is to be found. Oh, but it's the same question. Two individuals, two human beings, two neighbors, perhaps. The Pharisees and the scribes why do you think they're asking if there is law enforcement around? Why do you think they're asking Jesus this question? Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? You think they really want to know the answer to that? Oh, Jesus must be guilty. That's why he's not interacting and answering the questions. He must be guilty, right? He must be a coward. Jesus must be a coward for not pursuing and going to the Sanhedrin and defending himself and explaining himself to these individuals. I mean, they're all brethren. Why can't they get along? The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? These are not individuals <laughs> who are separated somehow. It's not the unbeliever and the believer here. These are all believers. They're all brethren. They're all Jews, right? What's the problem? Well, Jesus says to them, the Pharisees and the scribes, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Isaiah was quite precise. He was very precise in describing the manner in which these Pharisees and scribes behaved. They're hypocrites, actors. 
As it is written, Jesus quotes the scripture, this people honors me with their lips. Oh, they have much to say coming out of their lips, their mouth, but their heart, oh, the inner thought of the man, the thinking mind is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. Vain, useless do they worship me. Useless worship is not pleasing to God. Teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Oh, they can create law out of thin air, bind it on you and find you guilty. Oh yeah, they're educated, they're scholars. We trust them. They're the religious leaders of the community in the church. They are our preachers, our evangelists, our elders, our deacons, right? We trust them. Of course, when they do this, verse 8, Jesus says, neglecting the commandment of God. There's the cavity. They've chosen to create law, bind it, find it a tradition of the elders removing themselves from the obligation of keeping the commandments of God. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. And many, well, look, look, look at this. For the Pharisees and all the Jews... See how quickly the influence of the devil can persuade a people, a membership? Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Who created these traditions? Men. Are traditions inherently sinful? Well, of course not. There are inspired traditions we must uphold and keep. But this ain't it. And if you were unable to discern right from wrong, if your heart was not humble and growing in faith, if you're just an idle, vulnerable individual, a pew dweller, you're going to take the side of the Pharisees and the scribes. And you're going to remain there being devoured by all sorts of baseless accusations, bearing false witness, corrupt witnesses, all sorts of lies, and all sorts of laws just being created out of thin air. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. Well, who says so? Well, I do, of course. <laughs> I'm the religious leader here, and I know the Bible. I'm a scholar. I know the law. You don't. Oh, well, I guess you're right. I better follow you. The Pharisees told their people that Jesus was the devil. And they believed them. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. These Pharisees and scribes have no scriptures to their claim. What do they have? Well, the traditions of the elders needing to be observed. All the Jews do it. Why don't you do it? Well, what, did Jesus, what does Jesus have? Well, scriptures, of course, rightly handled. The devil can 
quote scripture. The devil knows how to quote scripture. Man, he knows the Bible. These Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the chief priests, the elders, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders in the Jewish household, they knew the Bible. They could quote scriptures. And they knew how to manipulate it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They knew how to slowly boil the frog. How to erode the rocks, the foundation, the leadership. Oh, they knew how to get in there and cause problems. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Something grievous and sinful is found. No, that's not a problem, but little things like traditions they've created. Oh, that's the problem. See, that's how you remain blind when there's a log sticking out of your forehead. And he was also saying to them, Jesus speaking to these religious leaders, you are experts specialist, well-crafted and cunning at doing what exactly? Well, at setting aside the commandment of God. And why would they do that? In order to keep your tradition. In order to keep your tradition. That's why you're doing that. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? You can't see the pure and loving compassion of Christ. You don't follow the doctrine of our Lord and Master rightly handled and its interpretation. You don't do that. You don't see that. Why? Because you're too busy binding laws you've created out of thin air. We have some members in local congregations where the leadership is corrupt, like these individuals, who are scared even in the way they sit. Because, oh, they might not be sitting the right way. And we all know you don't want to disturb the tyrant up front. He'll find you guilty. He'll damn your soul to hell. He was also saying to them, you are experts. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Now, the people they've manipulated are delusional in believing a lie and have been devoured, but these here Pharisees and scribes, they know exactly what they're doing. They know they're lying. They know they're binding law. They know what they're doing. They're firmly convinced, mind you. They are fully convicted. They know what they're doing. They are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, oh, Jesus quoting Isaiah, Jesus quoting Moses. Man, he's using the very quote-unquote heroes of these factions, these Jewish factions, against them, rightly handled and righteously so. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Now, there's something to ponder on. These here are trying to find fault in Jesus and his disciples, and they bind a law on him. They've not been observing the traditions of the elders. And so they assume impure hands. No, no, this has nothing to do with 
sanitary purposes or hygiene. This is strictly because, well, maybe you've been contaminated by the Gentiles. And so you need to wash your hands and the cups and the pots and everything going around here just in case it has been contaminated by Gentile germs. What? Yeah. Well, what do you know what I've touched t today or who I've touched today? You don't know that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They assume you have impure hands because we've not seen you wash your hands. We've not seen your disciples wash their hands. Oh? And why is this so important again? Well, because you might have been contaminated by Gentiles, of course. Maybe you walked close to a Gentile. Maybe you touched a tree or a house or an object of any kind and sort that would have been touched by a Gentile, a heathen, a pagan, a Greek, a Roman. But that's not a law God wrote or bound. Of course it is. We're Pharisees. We're scribes. We're smart. You're stupid. Shut your mouth, sit down, and listen to what we have to say. No, no, Jesus is not going to do that. Jesus is going to quote scriptures. You hypocrites, you actors, you're not playing the part you're supposed to be playing. You're playing a whole new different role. Hypocrite, trying to find Jesus guilty of a tradition they created from their elders, all the while they're purposely, as experts, setting aside the commandments of God, which is law and doctrine. And the reason they're doing that is to keep their traditions going. And then Moses says, of course, through the quoting of Jesus is rightly handled ministry and knowledge here. Honor your father and your mother, Moses says, and he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. These religious leaders, they will speak all manners of wicked words against their own mother and father. Baseless accusations bearing false witness against them, not taking care of them, not loving them, but yet siding with the Pharisees and the scribes. and They should be put to death, the old law would say. But you say, see, here's what Moses says, but here's what you say, you Pharisees and scribes. If a man says to his father or his mother, what, uh, mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin. That is to say, given to God. Moses says, if you don't honor your father and your mother, and you speak evil of your father and mother, you should be put to death. Capital punishment. But here's what you say. What you say don't line up with the scriptures. Don't line up with the law. What you say is, I don't need to take care of mom and dad because, well, I gave my uh, offering to God. You liar. You pathetic liar. If a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin. That is to say, given to God. You remove yourself from the obligation of honoring your mother and your father for greed, for your own selfish desires, your own preeminence. 
You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. That's what you're doing, you Pharisee. You Pharisee. Thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as these. It's not enough what you're doing. It's bad enough. No, that's not enough, right? You got to do more. All sorts of many things such as that. They're concerned about what goes in. They should be concerned about what goes out. The heart of a man. If you've been in the church long enough as a faithful member, you've seen this happen in the church. I know you have. You've seen these Pharisees in the church, these scribes, these elders, these preachers. Hmm? Of course you have. They'll do the same thing. They cause all sorts of disorder and chaos, division, for their own selfish ambitions. They'll have sons and daughters dishonoring their mother and father upon baseless accusations, and they'll speak all manners of wicked words against them. Sad. Sad. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. You're going to stand damned on Judgment Day for it, too. Of course, the Pharisees wouldn't believe that. You can't teach him anything. They know it all. They're scholars, right? They love word salads. They're all about what goes in. They're not concerned about what goes out. After he called the crowd to him again, in verse 14, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. That means you need to tune in and focus on what's happening here. Listen, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man, nothing outside the man, which can defile him if it goes into him. What were these Pharisees and scribes all, all up in arms and offended about? Clean hands? Pots and pitchers and cups, traditions, clean hands, pots, pitchers, and cups. They're so concerned about what goes in. Oh, it might be contaminated by Gentile germs. They're so concerned about what goes in that they are blind to what is actually coming out of their own hearts and minds. Liars. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. Now, this is within the boundaries of context. Don't go drinking poison or something thinking everything's going to be fine with you. You will die. <laughs> He's making a spiritual point. Okay, so if there's nothing outside the man which can defile him, if it goes into him, 
What does that mean? Well, it means the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Oh. Oh. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't know how much more you want Jesus to drill this into our thoughts. Listen to me, he says, all of you, not some of you, all of you, and understand. Make sense of what I'm saying. If you're humble, submissive, and seeking, you will understand what I am saying to you. It will go against the tradition of your elders. It will go against the Pharisees, scribes, and all the religious leaders that you all are loyalists to and have been trusting for a long time. It's going to go all, it's going to go against that. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. There is no such a thing as a Gentile germ. You will not be defiled, unclean, before God, the great I am, if you've greeted a Gentile, spoken to a Gentile, eaten beside a Gentile, walked into a Gentile's home or territory. None of it. What is the problem? The things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. And what have they been speaking outside of the... from within? What is it that they have been speaking which proceeds out of the man that defile them. Well, look. They honor, G- they honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far away from Him. Their worship is vain. They're teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. They don't honor their fathers and mothers. They speak evil against father and mother. They don't take care of their parents. They've been using the name of God for their own selfish ambitions their own greed, their own preeminence, to exalt themselves as these quote-unquote entitled bastions of religious affairs in the community. They are invalidating the word of God by their traditions. It's not what's going into them. Jesus is like, you're so concerned about our hands, about pots and pitchers and cups. Oh, you know. You got brethren today in the Lord's church who do the same thing. They're so concerned about a cup that they forget what's the content of that cup. Oh, they'll do all sorts of these things. Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Pay attention. Make sense of it. You can understand this. You don't need a Pharisee to understand what I'm saying. What I am saying is going to go against the Pharisee and expose their lies. If you are paying attention, you can discern this. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. It don't matter if you eat pork chops. If you think it's a sin to eat pork chops, but yet what is coming out of your heart is wicked words against your mother and father, if it's wicked words, baseless accusations, and all sorts of manipulation against your brothers and sisters, against your the faithful fold, 
Man, you stand down. You need to understand this. If anyone has ears to hear. See, the Pharisees, they don't have ears to hear, to hear anything. They know it all. Well, of course, they're educated, don't, aren't they? They know the Bible. You don't. They're smart. We're stupid. We need to sit down, shut our mouths, and just let the tyrant continue his dictatorship. These Pharisees, these scribes. Diotrophic individuals, bullies. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, Jesus, this is, in verse 17, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? I mean, they are his disciples. Aren't you been paying attention? They could have been walking with Jesus for 40 years. They'd still be lacking understanding. We have members in the church been sitting in the pews for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Still can't discern or understand the truth. They keep being devoured by the pharisaical lies of a tyrant, a dictator, a very manipulative individual who masquerades himself as a caring and loving religious leader. Now, don't fall for the Pharisee's plight. Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? The Gentiles aren't going to contaminate you with any germs. Okay? Pots, pitchers, cups, hands. What goes in is not the problem here. Because it does not go into the heart. Rather, it goes into the stomach and then is eliminated when you go to the washroom, right? Thus he declared all foods clean. It's not that there wasn't a law regarding nourishment. It's that religious leaders, like the Pharisees, would create from that law and bind it. It's a form of control. If I can find you guilty by manipulating the law to my agenda, then you are under my control. And if I speak it in such a way you don't understand, again, greater control for me. And he was saying in verse 20, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man, makes him unclean before God. It's not what goes in. It doesn't matter what he's eating. And let us understand this. Jesus did not break any law. He was born as a Jew in the covenant of the Old Testament law, and he did not break that law. But he's teaching them the gospel of the kingdom in which he will be crowned before the end of it. That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, the inner thinking mind of man, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, 
You think the Pharisees were pure of thought? Oh, they seemed very pure outwardly. The very thing, of course, Jesus rebuked in them in Matthew chapter 6. Oh, they seemed to be doing a good work for the Lord outwardly. They seemed to be rightly handling the scriptures with conviction, scholarly even, outwardly. But within them, corrupt, evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries. Oh, these are thieves. You don't think so? Well, look at what they were teaching. You say, if a man says to his father or his mother, mother, whatever I have that would help you, has been given to God. You think they were giving it to God? They were keeping it for their own pockets. Greed. Many a great greedy brethren will quickly deplete your treasury. Oh yeah, they'll find a way. They'll have you thinking it's all for good. Yeah, sure. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit. Oh, boy. Coveting. Yep. Yep. Some do it. Some of these, they do it for selfish ambition. They're filled with envy, jealousy, strife. They'll speak all manners of wicked words against the faithful. And they're filled with deceit. If you're not smart enough, you'll fall prey to it. Again, my brethren think that the devil, well, he walks around with a big red face and big horns on his head and a big forked tail. And he's just puffed up with fire. And we'll, we'll see him and we'll point him out and say, look at there, there's the devil. <laughs> oh. Oh. Are you so lacking in understanding also? The devil's behind the pulpit, man. He's in the church. He's behind the pulpit. He's in the eldership. He's your friend. Oh, he's your best friend. He'll take advantage of that. Deceitful, envious, slanderous. Oh, they'll speak all manners of slander. All manners of slander. What did they do to Jesus? They called Jesus the devil. They called him a liar. They called him a thief. They called him a deceiver. All along, these here Pharisees were projecting, filled with gaslight, activities, right? They, they were the ones guilty. They were the ones guilty of everything they were accusing Jesus of being. They're puffed up with pride. They're egotistical maniacs filled with all sorts of foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. You see an individual behind the pulpit in a suit and tie, real fancy, real shiny, and he uses that Bible, man, he knows that Bible, man, he knows the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. He can quote scripture, he can memorize and quote, man, you've never seen something like it. 
Oh, he must be from God. He must be a man of God. Oh, ho, ho. a great many of these, not all of them, not all of them, but a great many of, e- of these, they're just what Jesus is describing here. Oh, they're in the church. I've seen them. I've seen them, and I've been a victim of these kinds. That's because God's teaching us wisdom, separating the goats from the sheep, those who can discern right from wrong. So many things, so many things Jesus had to teach if we just pay attention to them. But some, some are decent members. Some are decent preachers and elders. Some are decent religious leaders. Some have a good, kind, humble heart. Oh, they they have courage and conviction. They speak the truth. Even even at uh, uh, at the expense of persecution, sacrifice. But there are a great many of these kinds among us that Jesus had to deal with. Of course, what's so powerful in the account of this chapter is then we're going to see the witnessed and recorded words of the Syrophoenician woman and the individual who was deaf. We're not going to go through this section, which is verse 24 through 37 at this time, but I am going to be sharing this section uh, Tuesday evening at 7 Atlantic Daylight Time on a Facebook page called the uh, Oakleaf Digital Bible Study Facebook uh, group that is uh, created and administered by our brother Andre Moore. And uh, I was privileged and honored to be asked to share a lesson on Tuesday evening, and I'm looking forward to it. Andre is a wonderful brother, and he's got some good work going on planting a church over there in Florida. So... Uh, it'll be a good thing to uh, to see the progress and pray for it. But on that Tuesday evening, I'll be going through verses 24 through 37. Hope you'll be able to join us if you can. But uh, yeah, so there you go. A lot to think about, right? A lot to think about. Friends, we need to put more importance on what comes out of our mind instead of what goes into our mouth. It's what comes out of our mouth that's the problem. Because what comes out of our mouth is what comes out of the mind. And sadly, a great many of these individuals in the church, in leadership, uh, they are guilty of all these things. And you don't have freedom there. You're under the snare of the devil's influence. Get out of there. Leave that place. I'm telling you. The scripture is telling you. Jesus is telling you. Get out of there. You won't make it. You'll die along with these Pharisees. You'll die along with them. Their hardened hearts, their stiff-necked, rebellious ways. And they masquerade as angels of light. They will have you believing they are true and genuine. That they truly love you and care. They don't. They are control freaks. They are liars. They have you bound to the laws they've created from thin air. You won't be allowed to even breathe without their authority. You won't even be allowed to speak to your own mother and father without their authority or presence. You won't even be able to sit comfortably in your chair without them observing you in hypocrisy. Get out of there. 
It ain't what you think it is. There were, well, again, the text of the scripture says, all the Jews, all the Jews, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. I'm telling you, just because the entire congregation is falling along with it, don't make it right. Some wake up, though. Some can see and discern. Some could discern the difference between the Pharisees and the Jew, the Jews there, their loyalists, the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the elders, all of them. Some could discern the difference between them and Jesus Christ and his disciples. Some could see right through the lies and be like, I need to be following Jesus instead of these Pharisees. Some, not many of the Jews, just some, some did believe and obey the gospel. Today it's the same. According to the numbers of the scriptures, most Christians won't make it. But some will. Most Christians will be devoured by these pharisaical types. And we all know that word is flung around today and it's lost its meaning. Everybody's a Pharisee now. If you don't agree with someone, oh, he must be a Pharisee. And it's sad because it diminishes the strength and description of a true Pharisee because they really exist in the church today. But because that word is flung around so often, we tend to no longer discern what it truly means. It's kind of like the woke left ideology and their violent tactics and their verbal diarrhea, calling everyone phobic or racist or bigoted or a Nazi, well, it loses the oomph of the word. If you call someone you disagree with a racist and a Nazi, are you truly going to be able to discern a real Nazi, a real racist? Well, it's the same with calling everyone a Pharisee. Everyone's a Pharisee. No, really, they aren't. Just because you disagree with someone doesn't make him a Pharisee. But here's the problem. There are real Pharisees among us. And brethren are dull to discern them. What are real Pharisees? How can we discern a real Pharisee? I mean, we don't have the kind of insight Jesus had, which is why Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. Look at what they're doing. What are they doing? What kind of fruit are these Pharisees producing? You'll know them to be a Pharisee if you see what they're producing. If it is nothing but discouragement, depletion, and division, you can tell them by their fruits, <laughs> okay? Look at what they are producing. Nothing but chaos and division. That's how you tell the difference. That's how you tell the difference. All right, friends, that'll conclude this session here. Hopefully some substance and value to your faithful walk. Trying to remain pure, right? Trying to remain well. Listen, this world is filled with all those things Jesus listed off there, okay? Fornication, thievery, murdering, adultery, all of it. Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, 
and all manners of foolishness. This, this defiles the man. Christians should not be participating in those things. And if you've stumbled, if you've fallen prey to your temptations and you've practiced these kind of things, just, re- just be humble enough to admit them and repent. We're all human beings trying to make it to heaven. We're all trying to make it to heaven here in the fold. Just because I am in a position where I have influence doesn't make me void of uh, 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 repenting from sin. Which is why I've always been transparent with it. The ultimate goal is making it to heaven. Just repent. Fornication, adultery, thievery, the LGBTQ community, abortion, deceit, lying, sensuality, all about being sexy. No, that ain't it, man. That ain't the way to life. Envy, slander, pride. You think Jesus is throwing these descriptive sinful activities just because? Who do you think he's talking to? He's talking to these religious leaders and their loyalists, the Jews. He's not just making this up. He's not just throwing that in thin air. Nebulous of sorts. Well, I guess he's just randomly listing sins. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Let's not allow that to penetrate our our lifestyle. Let's, Let's live pure. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. That good? That okay? That makes sense? All right, my friends, stay focused, stay positive. You are loved. You have purpose. We are to be the good pleasure of our Lord and Master, okay? And we need to do what's right. Please, please consider supporting this work so it can keep going. There's a few options in the show notes. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can freely sign up there, but you are encouraged, of course, to support monthly. No amount is too small. No amount is too big. You'll get reports, you can interact, updates, all that kind of good stuff. And it goes towards the gospel work of the Added Souls ministry. Okay, there's the PayPal option. You can send a donation through addedsouls at gmail.com. You can send me an email if you need a hard address or you want to con- you want to speak uh, to me, have a conversation, video chat, phone call, whatever. This is strictly to all of you who are faithful members of the Lord's Church, seeking a good work to partake in. Good stuff? All right, my friends. Lord willing, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Peace out.